All right. Welcome back to another installment of the Unnamed Sports Podcast. Today we have for you guys a discussion of, I would say, nobody's favorite division in football. And uh, so if you haven't guessed by now, that would be the AFC South. Um, Ralph, give me, a, give me a general overview. What, what, what do you think your two cents on this division? So I truly believe that very unique spot we're currently in within the AFC South where two teams completely tore down the entire team, started from scratch, drafted quarterbacks last year, new coach this year, a GM in its second year, um, basically starting from scratch at the same time in the same division. Uh, one, you know, one team obviously took a quarterback a lot earlier than the other, but more or less very similar type rebuild. I would say Jacksonville obviously has a, you know, a step up because they they know that they have their quarterback more or less while Houston's still trying to figure that out. Two somewhat underwhelming hires at head coach this past year uh, with Lovey Smith. I would say one's a lot more underwhelming than the other. Correct. Correct. Still not my two favorite hires of the full cycle. Peterson, obviously, a lot lot more, I guess, qualified for another job while Lovey is, is bombed in a million spots, even bombed in, in, in college at Illinois. Cannot believe that he, that was the hire. Uh, I think the whole world sort of knew, but they, they really wanted to hire McCown two years in a row in Houston. Casario obviously believes that he's going to be the next offensive genius. Uh, no experience at all. So even that would have been a questionable hire. But it's something that they wanted to do. So why and, not do yeah, it? Yeah, at least you would have felt the conviction. You would have felt like they had a little direction and that they were following you know, their vision for the franchise. Correct. Whereas Lovey Smith, it kind of just feels like they're just saying goodbye to a year. Correct. But are they going to fire him next year after doing it doing it this past year and yeah. receiving all that backlash? I mean, it just feels like it just feels like we're doing Dave Culley again, except this time Correct. he's like on the other end of the spectrum in terms of too old yeah. and too far removed from, you know, qualification. Yeah. So I believe they couldn't bring Culley back um, after that week two Texans Browns game later in the game they had a play where they could, could have been third and ten or twelve, not exactly sure or fourth and two after a Browns penalty and accepting it would have gave them third down and declining it led to fourth and two so what they do they declined it probably the right move and then went ahead and did something I've never seen before and punted so to me I'm sitting I would say I'm a Texan fan I'm sitting there watching that game I'm over the guy. You could fire him on the spot in game, post game, two games into his his tenure. You could do it at the end of the year. At any point, I'd be fine with it. Just don't bring him back a second year. He did. It seemed to he to seem. It seemed to be he got better as the year went on. I would which sometimes say which that. Sometimes it's it, it part of the job, but something like that is just it's a fireable offense. There's certain things you do in the workplace that it's no questions asked. To me, being so out of touch with the game and punting. When you could have had a third down, to me is just it's just terrible, terrible management. That's definitely an inexcusable play call. I will say to Cully's credit that as the season kind of wore on, he grew into his bearings a little bit more. He coaxed a whole lot out of Davis Mills. And that team, which really lacked NFL talent in just about every position group, fought for him and gave us some Really fun football, especially towards the end of the season, particularly that game against the Chargers. Oh, they looked great that day. Mills was 
Mills looked Mills looked like a franchise quarterback on that particular Sunday late in the year, and he, I just think he coaxed a lot out of that group in general. Um, but I, it's tough for me to argue with you that he is a long term guy at head coach. So I don't necessarily disagree with the decision they made to fire him. Although I will say, bringing in Lovey Smith as his replacement, it seems like a lateral move. Yeah. It seems like Correct. a lot of chaos for no reason. So let me we ask all you, know that. Oh, sorry, ask me. Would you rather bring back Cully for a second year or hire Lovey? It's a good bring question. Bring back Cully. I think I bring, bring back, back Cully. Too. As for crazy sure. as it sounds, after I just shambled yeah. the guy's whole life, I I think I think I I bring him back too. If the plan is McCown, then why put yourself in a position where you're going to fire someone else again after a year and get rid of the guy? Granted, he's a bridge guy. We all know Cully's a bridge guy. You know it. Your mother knows that. With that being said, they all fought for him. So if you're just buying time for McCown or whoever the McCown equivalent is, why wouldn't you just keep rolling with the guy who, while he's limited, they fight? Or at least hire McCown as an assistant. Yes, first. that's Something the other thing. That's a different mind conversation. Boggling. Mind boggling. Bring him in as an OC. Bring him in as a quarterback coach. Bring him in as a special assistant. Do something to pad his resume so that when you do hire him next year, they don't say, oh, they hired a guy with no experience, <laughs> which is why he didn't hire him this year. Casario. But that's why Houston's Houston. Yep, Casario's first 14 months on the job. I'd say before this past draft, because I liked this draft. It's but before draft. this past draft, his first 14 months on the job was just horrific. It's hard for horrific. me to argue with you. My question, my question is this, without getting so deep into it, but that lawsuit that came out from Flores, you think affected them not just hiring McCown on the spot? So I think it definitely impacted them. My whole thing as it relates to the Flores, as it relates to the Flores situation, is if it impacted the direction you were going in, if you were going to do A before the Flores lawsuit broke out and pivoted to B after it broke out, it means you're just doing something wrong as an organization Correct. to begin with. Correct. If your plan is that fragile, then you got to reassess the plan to begin with. But again, that's why Houston's Houston. And that's why they've been, I would say, uh, stuck in the mud for just about the entirety of the century. Right. McCown was their guy. Everyone everyone and their mother knows If McCown it. is your guy, take the backlash and go get him. Especially but if you're not even going to It's funny because the assistant. backlash would be warranted, though. Because the guy oh, it'd be has completely no warranted. It would so be completely warranted. It'd definitely be warranted. We would be having this podcast shambling them for hiring McCown. But, but at, at least, least they'd have their guy. Exactly. At least they have their guy. Sometimes exactly. we, I, I love drafts on any sport, any level. I love drafts. And what I love of it is sometimes teams take a guy, where maybe even Houston with Stingley. I don't know. He wasn't the, he wasn't the consensus number three overall, but he was their guy. They weren't going to get him at 14 or 13. So just take him. So just take him. I love just taking your guy. So that is a masterful pivot into discussing Houston from a pers uh, from a personnel standpoint. So let's talk about their draft. Stingley, we both agree, is an A plus pick. A plus. Um, the only question with him was ever health. There's no denying that at full strength, he has everything it takes to be like an all pro corner in this league. So I was reading that obviously the health was you know the number one thing why he wasn't going to go. Supposedly not going to go in the top five. Um, I was reading that his lack of play the year after the championship, where he was the by far best defender on that team that sent the entire entire team to the draft. 
I think sometimes when a team is just so bad and have so much turmoil with the head coach and the, the athletic director. I mean, there was a real hangover following, right. following Everybody that. Everybody left. He stayed. He was a true freshman. He couldn't go anywhere. He had another two years. Everyone knew he was overqualified to stay there with basically a loan. You know, they stripped the entire roster after that draft, deservedly so. Now he's there. He's all pro. He knows he's a top five pick. Sometimes, he, sometimes it's hard to, to play up to the level that he played the year before where his team was the best team in, in the entire sport. Uh, I don't I don't blame him for that. I don't blame him. The injuries injuries happen. It's football. I, I love the pick at three. I love it. And, and it feels it, like yeah. it's there. He was really their guy. They went. They took their guy. He wasn't the consensus best corner. People thought Sauce was going to be picked over him. I like that they stuck with their guy. And forever I was saying, if Stingley doesn't go in the top five, it's Someone's going to get fired. Someone about is going to get fired, and it's the regret is going to be so large that it's almost like why why do we have these consensus lists anymore? And I love that I was proven wrong. They took him at three, and I'm very happy for them that they did. And not only that, but they doubled down in the secondary the very next round by bringing in Petrie, who is uh, thought by many to be the best safety in the class, and just across the board, I love what they did, especially love at the draft. top of the draft. Kenyon Green at, at guard is a freak athlete, seems to be a can't-miss prospect at the position, and Mechie as a slot possession guy is just a hard pick to fault, especially given you know the lack of skill position guys they have. Um, you have really no presence at tight end. Uh, Brevin Jordan is listed as their starter. Um, has a high speed rating in Madden, but beyond that, I can't really say that much. Roster. That roster. So, My eyes are bleeding looking at that roster. Yeah, and so so Mechie, as you know, a security blanket for your young quarterback, whether or not he is the guy, especially when Cooks and Collins, the two existing outside wideouts, are more deep threats. Um, I think it fills a real need for them. Kenyon Green, put him next to Tunsil on that left side. I think that'll be huge. And, yeah, I mean, when in doubt and when you have holes all over the place, beef the O-line, beef, beef the, the secondary. Beef the O-line. Beef the O-line. Especially when you're bad. And Mechie also, I know you, you brought up possession receiver. I like possession receivers on bad teams. It just feels like a security blanket. Uh, I know he's not the fastest receiver. Couldn't run at the combine due to the ACL tear late in the year at Alabama. I... I'm a, I'm a Mechie fan. Love the love that pick. It's a great pick. Probably may not be ready opening day, but probably not not far after that he'll be he'll be on the field. Well, they're in no rush. Take no your rush. time, John. There's no rush. No rush. Um, I, I I do think he put it around slow. Even if he ran at the combine, probably not as fast as some of the other uh, peers re, uh, receiver in the second round. But there's something about getting open. Just felt like at Alabama, he was always wide open. It could be Alabama's offense, whatever. Always seemed to be open. Love that pick in the second round for Houston. Very impressive draft on paper. Again, you got to put it all, all together. And they're going to have a bunch of picks now that they got rid of Watson. Houston, it's it's a slow rebuild. I, I'd probably lean towards putting them dead last in the division. Jacksonville I agree. I, I, Jacksonville should win You know, a couple of, a couple of extra games than they won last well, year. The quarterback's better and the coach is better. Correct. And, they, and again, overpaying... At receiver, but at least they have yes. to have bodies now. So let's segue into a Jacksonville Jaguars discussion. You spoke about their free agency spending spree. It was really one for the books. I mean, that was all-time stuff. 
forget about the Christian Kirk deal, which completely reset the wide receiver market. I mean, you're paying double-digit millions to Evan Ingram. You're paying Zay Jones to be a legitimate number two guy. It's really baffling stuff, but I guess the mentality is let's do everything we can for Trevor Lawrence. Which you can't fault him for. You can't fault a lot. At the dollars, I think I think even the general manager himself will tell you that at the at the dollar that they got Christian Kirk, yeah, it's an overpay. And I'm not gonna sit here and defend it because I can't. I don't have you could pay me to defend Christian Kirk at that number and I wouldn't be able to. But I will say this, at least it feels like they have some bodies around Lawrence. And I think that's that may be all you need. You may just need guys that can get open. Uh Lawrence was touted as the best prospect to come out of school since Peyton Manning. Yeah, Andrew Luck, really. Luck, Manning, Elway, all those names are being brought up when we were waiting for that draft to come around. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't feel like you need three Devontae Adams on that roster for him to, to develop into being what everyone wants him to be. Uh, I'm, I'm very high on Lawrence, as, as the whole world. It's not and really he, much of a hot take. And uh, they suddenly have a really deep wide receiver group. Their four through six are LaVisca Chenault, who's yet to put anything together on an NFL level, he but makes the team. talent's there. Jamal Agnew, who before he blew out his ACL, he was doing some things, Jamal Agnew. Because they were so bad. So No, anyone, but he was explosive. Because he could run, but on a good team, he's a, he's another guy. You I, know? Think he's Ag- a I think Agnew is a real field stretcher. He showed a lot, and within that minimal infrastructure, anyone who did anything in the Urban Meyer offense, Kudos you might to as them. well be a Hall of Famer. Kudos to, to them. Jamal Agnew made four plays that made me turn my head last year. That might be nothing. Urban Meyer was the head coach. Good enough for so last year's I think, Jaguars. I think he might be an all-pro guy. That's, that's what I'm going <laughs> off of. Um, and then, you know, uh, they addressed the defensive side of the ball in the draft with Walker and Lloyd in the first round. Um, Walker, a bit of a strange Let's talk about Walker. situation. Let's talk about Walker. A real combine phenomenon. Is that bulky just being bulky again? Probably. Uh, Hutchinson seemed like if they were going to go defense was going to be the safer pick. I I wouldn't I wouldn't I can't fault him for taking Iguanu if they were going to go there. Uh, Cam Robinson at three years, fifty four million, just feels like a tremendous overpay. Feels desperate. The franchise take last year felt desperate. Um, not the worst player in the league, but at that at that number, it's hard for me to say oh bring that guy back. Um, if if the if the numbers were more respectable, fine, but. I probably would even go Iquanu over Walker. I, I don't I don't love the Walker pick in terms of just at first of all, I, I get sometimes you, you have to draft just based off traits and what you see, what what you know, what he did in, in underwear at the at the combine. I get it. But at first overall, and you've been so bad forever. Have the Jaguars well besides that AFC championship game where they got screwed, have the Jaguars ever been good at football? You can take a guy that was a real based on a, season. Poss- on a possible projection. Yeah, it's a real bet on your infrastructure when your infrastructure hasn't even demonstrated the ability right. to develop the best quarterback prospect we've seen in a decade. If you're San Francisco, for example, where you've been good forever, it feels like. Then you take and Walker. You take Walker. But bet on traits, bet on upside, fine. I, I, it's it hard for like me Hutchinson when you're the Jaguars. And it's, it, if you realize he's the first pick in the draft and it got barely any coverage because I think everyone just thought, all right, you know, he's a top 10 pick based on his traits. You know, he deserves to go in the top 10. Is he first overall good based on his lack of sack production in college and the best team ever? A little mind-boggling to me, but it's the Jaguars. It is bulky. Um, we'll see how it pans out. I I, I think I thought Hutchinson, if you're going to go defense, was, gonna, was the better pick. 
safer. I know what you're getting. And he, his, his, he also had a, an amazing combine. So he did. I guess we'll see. But you know, if I'm making the pick, I'm, I'm probably going either Aquano or Hutchinson. Uh, and I will say this. Um, while I we both agree we would have gone Hutchinson over Walker, it is nice to see that they appear to be prioritizing the front seven. They suddenly have like almost a half decent collection of talent up there between Walker and Lloyd and Josh Allen. And if Caleb Vaughn can end up being anything. Caleb Vaughn, you can cut him tomorrow. And I don't you really think, think so? Think, yeah, you saw think, enough? No. Yeah, I'm you ready. You saw I'm enough ready, to yeah. say goodbye? Cut your losses now. Oh, man. Don't say I, that. I will I say always... on the other side, I will say Josh Allen, breakout candidate. Seven yeah. and a half sacks last year. Uh, it feels like he hasn't reached that potential that he's ready to warranted explode. the seventh overall pick a couple of years ago. I think he's I think he's ready to double-digit sacks. And if, if Walker does just that, I guess you could say, all right, wasn't the worst pick in the world. Yeah. But, yeah, just, just Allen, I think, is is ready. It just feels, it feels like he's just primed for a huge season. Um, yeah, I, that, that would be my breakout guy in terms of, you know, we haven't seen it yet. Uh, what, you know, what could we get from an, a top 10 pick? Caleb on, I'm done with. Man, that 2020 draft with Caleb on in the first <sighs> and Chenault in the second really appears to be a complete dumpster fire. Yeah, no, it's... That's uh, just tough. But I'm I'm the last guy on planet Earth to ever give up on prospects. So like you'll catch me screaming from the rooftops. But he wasn't in college. Caleb yeah. on like Kayla it just Vaughn, felt yeah. like a weird, felt like a weird pick at a time where they traded Ramsey. That was Ramsey's pick. Yeah. At a time where it's almost like we gotta you gotta hit on this pick. Not a, not that's another guy they took based on projection. A guy they didn't have sack production at college, hoping that he turns into this. It was a bet on the infrastructure. And they just don't have the type of infrastructure where you can right. be making those bets. Right. But maybe Peterson brings some stability to the table. He definitely will to an extent. Are they, are they, how many games better are they, are they than last year? Are they five more, five games better? Five games better. You take that. Of course you take year it. Year two and No, the of course you take era. it. Oh, I think, I think that's like, First that's, that's, that's Super Bowl That's hallelujah. They win, if they win five extra games, that's their Super Bowl. Uh, you just don't want to be the third, the number one overall pick for the third year in a row. Yeah, that's no, that's their it's, goal. It's almost hard to do it two years in a row. Uh, you know the Jets have been bad, but like it's almost hard to get the first overall pick twice. You also have, you also you need you need to be skilled at losing to do that. Absolutely. Well, if the Jaguars have demonstrated one thing in our lifetimes, it's a penchant for losing. Yeah, and it starts at the draft. It starts with taking guys like Absolutely. Walker over Hutchinson. Absolutely. You look at their starters. Not a lot of drafted talent. They are constantly plugging holes by overpaying free agents, and right. it's just not the most sustainable business model. Yeah, like Chenault's, Chenault's, if Chenault worked out, that money is what went yeah, to Yeah, you're not paying Zay Jones. Right. That's how it works. If you, if you fail at the draft, you usually have mm-hmm. to go spend money in free agency to offset it. And that's, that's on that's replacement level, bad. guys. Yeah. 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 From one to 10, I'll say Peterson Hire was a five. I guess that's that's the right way to put where I feel. I feel. I'm a not too bad, not it. too good, just average. You know, he'll he'll definitely come in and and clean up some of the mess that Urban Meyer left. Is he is he the savior? Doesn't feel that way. But I'm I'm a five out of ten. I'm I'm veering a little closer to a seven. I just think the track record with developing quarterbacks are coaxing the most out of quarterbacks. That's fair. Um, especially given how Wentz's career has played out in the post Peterson era. 
definitely reflects pretty positively on him, whether that's fair or not. And of course, the fact that he just won a Super Bowl with a backup quarterback. Um, I definitely think that if I were bulky and I was making the hire of this situation, there would only be two words on my mind, and that's Trevor Lawrence. And I think that this hire reflects that. And so for that reason, I'm a fan. I hear. That's fair. Let's, um, head, let's head to yeah. Indy. Let's, 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 head let's to talk Indy. about teams that might do things this Cause year. Because you, you, you brought up Wentz, which got me thinking, we got to jump, to the, we gotta jump yeah. to the Colts. So my first question for you, just how big of an upgrade do you think going from Carson Wentz to Matt Ryan is? So because the, because that funny. determines how you feel about indie. You know what's funny? That's the entire indie discussion. That, yeah, exactly. That so I, obviously, I think it's uh, given the circumstance that indie was in going January first or whatever the season ended this year, January tenth. Given this, given the circumstance, I think they they did a phenomenal job of a getting a three for once and not having to eat any of the money, which unheard of. Well, that's that's the Redskins for you. That's Dan Snyder's bunch. It, 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 it does not make sense that someone gave him a pick and took the full contract. That's a side note. So I think doing that uh, and then bringing in Ryan, who I guess between him and Baker was probably the best option on the table. Is Ryan washed, though? I, I think so. On paper, I think they did the right thing. They only gave him a three for Ryan. They got a three for Wentz. Basically offsets it. They're taking another big contract. They offloaded Wentz. They basically swapped Wentz out for Ryan, which which – on paper, great move. At the end of the day, though, the guy has to not be washed. Last year, I know they were bad. He looked washed. I thought by the end of the year, he had demonstrated a lot that would make me confident to take a bet on him. He's also, he's been solid forever. So it's hard to say, oh, he's going to suck. I'm not, that I'm not saying. But your question, which was a good one, was is he, how, how much better is he going to be than Wentz? He'll be better. Which is, should be good enough to at least contend for the playoffs because they were. Well, they, away yeah, from they, the they did place. contend for the right. playoffs. Right. So I think that's the question. Where is Ryan in terms of, of being done? I like the bet that they made. I like doing it. I like everything on paper to me made sense. Now, at the end of the day, he's going to have to go ahead and really be that much better than once. And if he's not, if he's just a little better, it's going gonna, it's gonna to hinder. What they could do. Well, the, you know, it's not even about necessarily being so much better as much as it is avoiding those costly mistakes. Right. Because if Wentz could just do a little Josh McCown impression and just shove the ball three yards every pat, every uh, every possession, and they punt a little more often than they did, we're probably talking about a playoff team. Yeah. Because the O line, we don't need to talk about Indy's O line. You're listening. You know how good they are. You're, you care enough about football to listen to our podcast, you know that India has a pretty damn good O-line. Um, the run game speaks for itself. Jonathan Taylor was breaking all sorts of records. All Matt Ryan needs to do is not screw up. And Matt Ryan has a pretty decent track record at not screwing up. Correct. I did find one stat interesting, though, Jack. He did throw 12 picks last year. How much of that is them being down in games having just to throw it up? Probably, probably a lot to do with that. And how but much he did is, throw twelve picks, which is which is for his standards. It's it's, it's pretty high for yeah. his standards. And, and if he throws twelve picks next year, he was twenty and twelve. To me, that's that could be a product of the team. That could also be a product of a guy that's just older in age and just slowing down a little bit, which is which is totally normal. Well, I mean, I think it's no secret that Matt Ryan is far beyond the peak of his powers. But sure. with that being said, I mean, we're talking about a guy who had to treat Russell Gage like Calvin Johnson. Correct. He was not working with a whole lot. Putrid offensive line. 
you know, running game that cannot be dependent on all they had going for them out of the backfield was Cordero Patterson catching passes and weird team that Falcons yeah, team last year. My question depleted. is this to you: If if Ryan isn't if he isn't so much better than Wentz, would you be shocked? Because I I wouldn't be shocked. I couldn't say I'd be shocked. I would be shocked if the difference wasn't enough to get them to the postseason. So you you have them penciled in one of the three wild cards. I have I feel their favorite. So. I think that their ceiling isn't as high as Tennessee's ceiling, but I feel much safer betting on them to make the postseason. That's fair. Uh, I can't. I can't disagree with that. That's where I'm at. Yeah, their yeah their ceiling isn't first overall in the AFC like Tennessee was last year, which I'll keep mentioning because baffling to me. It is baffling. Baffling to me, especially Kansas City. You know, having Patrick Mahomes and Buffalo being as good as they were seems. Seems like it's a fairy tale, but they were one in the AFC last year. I don't think the Colts could have done it last year. I don't think they could do it this year. So you're 100% right. Their ceiling isn't as high as Tennessee. They may they may win the division just based on what's around them. I think Tennessee got worse, which we'll talk about in a minute. Um, yeah, so they may win the division just based on just not being as bad as some of the other teams. All they have to really do is Get out of their own way. There is so much infrastructure. The running game is dependable. The front seven is solid, if not unspectacular. I think the Ngakwe addition will do a lot on that edge. And, you know, I think Gilmore is a super underrated addition I like to that the secondary. Too. I don't love him for everyone. I like him for Indy. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know if he has, I don't know if he's going to be all, you know, defensive player of the year. Good again. But I like it for Indy. You just need to replace Rock in. Yeah. And he yeah. can definitely do that. He is qualified for that job. And Kenny Moore remains, of course, one of the best slot corners in the league. I love Kenny Moore. How could you not? He's so, a fighter. So I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna take a step ahead here. I, obviously, the whole the whole operation is gonna really lean on Ryan. I'm gonna I'm gonna say that their full defense is gonna rely on one of two guys stepping up. Either gonna be Quiddy Pay, their first rounder from last yeah, year. Yeah, it's about time we see something. Or Deo, their second rounder from last year. I won't even try to pronounce his last name. But they if they tr- Get production out of one of those two guys. And we're talking defense, about a front seven. Yeah, their defense will be really, really good. But they they desperately need. I know they got in Dogway. They de- desperately need some help from one of those two guys. And I think as much as 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 almost as important as Ryan is to that offense, one of those two guys are going to have to step up to, for that defense to really be complete and whole. Yeah, Quiddy Pay. It seems like uh, you know you know I'm getting shades of as we watch his kind of situation unfold. He reminds me of Bjorn Werner. You know Bjorn Warner? Yeah, of course. I, and if, it if, seems if like he's a Bjorn, really similar if situation. If he's Bjorn Warner, their defense is not going to be as good as people think. I know. Also, Darius Leonard did major, major surgery uh, recently, which may not have him available for the beginning of the season. I know they have to say now, oh, yeah, he'll be ready. Darius Leonard misses games. That defense is in trouble. Absolutely. I think Okariki alone on that in that middle of that field would be would be would be tough. Especially undersized as he is, yeah. I you think need Leonard. It, without Leonard, that defense really lacks an the whole identity. Defense. Yeah, he he's he's unreal, unreal player. The fact that he's even hurt and gonna miss camp or whatever, to me is is, is a is a big big question mark. That this team, this I'm telling you, as as good as their roster looks on paper, I'm telling you, this team has big big question marks. Matt Ryan being better than he was last year, big question mark. One of their one of their pass rushing second year players panning out based on what we saw this past year, huge question mark. So Indy really, could, like you said, ceiling is not so high 
their floor is also not so low, but they they still do have huge question marks. Okay, so moving on to last year's champion of not only the division, but of the entire AFC throughout the regular season by some stroke of miraculous behavior, we have the Tennessee Titans. Now, these guys had, as we know, a very busy offseason. Let's get straight into it. Uh, Obvious questions. How do you replace A.J. Brown's production? You don't. You don't. I don't care what they tell you. Uh, taking Burks in his direct spot of the trade. A lot of people keep saying, "Oh, you know, if you can get if you can get someone of his of Brown's production out of Burks, then okay, it's good they didn't pay uh, AJ Brown twenty five million. AJ Brown had twenty four touchdowns in three years, and he missed time. And he missed time. And he, you know, not the fastest guy in the world. AJ Brown is wait, not wait, wait, a guy. AJ Brown's got Jets. He's got football speed. It might have not showed up in, in the raw measurements, but. I, I think his combine speed is actually was actually pretty high. He doesn't to me doesn't feel like the fastest guy on the field. Twenty four touchdowns in three years is that's that's serious serious production. To just say if they're you know oh you got a guy that looks like him you know similar measurements and stuff. Well, I think it has more to do with the Tannehill contract coming back to bite him than it does. Sure. You know, sure. a lack of willingness to retain him. And, of course, you have to keep in mind, with every wide receiver that moved this offseason, it all comes back to the Christian Kirk market reset. Now, they could have had an extension, you know, nine-tenths of the way done. And then all of a sudden, Christian Kirk is getting paid like Clay Thompson, and you don't know what to do with yourself because A.J. Brown's agent says, well, my that client is <laughs> two times better than him. And so I think that sparked a lot of the wide receiver shift that we saw around the league. And I think A.J. Brown's case is no different. I just think that people think that you could easily replace her. Not even easily. People that think that you could just get the production elsewhere, rolling out Woods and Burks, which... And Nick Westbrook-Akine. Hey, show some respect. 24 touchdowns in three years. How are you, how Missing you significant time. Missing time. How you get, that, that's production that you can't just make up. And again, a lot of times we talk about... You know, the importance of building up front, building the lines, having your quarterback paid is what's going to be important. I agree with that. But sometimes you look at a guy's production, like a guy like A.J. Brown, like we spoke about with Hill. A.J. Brown is cut from that Tyreek Hill sort of cloth where it's like he can do things on a slant route that no one in the league really can. I mean, defenders who try and tackle him bounce off of him. That touchdown catch that he made um, against Cincinnati – Oh my gosh. In the divisional oh round. Oh my gosh. I mean, that was like all time stuff. AJ Brown does things on a football field no other wideout can do. That catch. So it's funny. I, I I know I called him, I guess, slower a minute ago. That I didn't mean that. I meant more that he's a bigger body, which yeah. doesn't usually lead to twenty four touchdowns. Usually the guys that are scoring a lot are the guys that are after the catch just blazing speed. Happens to be that he he's a lot faster than than his size would show you. So I wanted to actually take that back. I appreciate you putting yeah. some respect yeah. on his speed because yeah. he's a fast yeah. guy. But, but this this is strengthen this is going to strengthen my point even more. Is could Burks run as fast as Brown oh, at that oh. size? You're asking a lot out of a rookie. I want to be so high on Traylon Burks. It's really all I, I want I, in this I, world. I sense it. That's why that's why I brought I, this up. I, I want it. to be so high on him. But we have issues with him reporting to camp out of shape. He, he, you're gonna replace twice, twice you're gonna going. replace AJ Brown and you got like you got like a beer belly. AJ Brown has what's a going on? on his back. What's going on, Traylon Brooks? I, I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this. I, p- the people that 
expect him to come in and replace Brown to any extent, they have, they're going to have a rude awakening in September. And, you know, it's tough because every year we watch eight guys emerge as, like, generational receiver prospects. Like, it seems like every wide receiver class is more generational than the last. And it goes all the way down to Tim Patrick becoming a guy worth $12 million a year. Like, it does feel like wide receivers do sort of grow on trees, but I think A.J. Brown, like I said, he's cut from that Tyreek Hill sort of cloth where so he young. can just do things on a football three field years in. no one can do. Hill, Hill, a lot of a lot of people are justifying it in Kansas City, saying, oh, he's, he's 28. I don't know. A.J. Brown is, is, is three years into the league. I don't know. I'm going to keep saying it. 24 touchdowns in three years. Where do you make up that offense? You're already getting insane production out of Henry. And you can't bank on that production translating for the next three years. I mean, he just came no. off his first surgery. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm, I wouldn't buy Henry right now where he currently is. Like, I, I, wouldn't, I would expect some sort of drop-off. I feel like we've been saying this forever. Yeah, but this time he actually the missed league. the time. Yeah, yeah. He's already six years into the league. The, the wear is going gonna, is gonna to sh- show up. He also took a ton of carries at Bama. Henry, at some point, I'm not going to say completely be terrible, but he's, he's going to fall off to an extent where he doesn't give you 2,000 rushing yards. Well, if I'm running the show out in Tennessee, then I'm making backup running back much more of a priority than it has been. Yeah, but also it's when you're paying, well, that's part of the contracts, and you're paying Henry right. at a premium, how much could you spend now on a, on a, on a running back? It's true. The especially they always feel like the, that they're building in win-now situations. Uh, Robinson is very, very good general manager. I think I think the risks that he takes in the draft have some pluses. Jeffrey Simmons, who's a, probably a top-five defender in the entire league, uh, taking him with the ACL tear in his drafts workouts in 2019. You know, just he missed, I think he only missed, like, I think mean, he went on PUP and came off PUP that year. So he he... Took only six months off from it from an ACL tear, which is freakish in its own right. Uh, he sets that entire defense up up front, but then it also has its downsides because because Farley had ton of injury mm. concerns at Virginia, and then now his first year he missed the whole year with first year was a wash because he got hurt. And he's smaller; his frame is small. He has had he also had major major surgeries. Their secondary is thin. If Farley doesn't pan, pan out, their secondary is their thin. Is, is gonna you know who their second string nickel cornerback is? You're going to love this. Hit me. It's Buster. Oh, I saw that. I saw that. Yeah, that that just goes to show you, if you want to be the one seed again, employing Buster screen is not going to help you. They drafted McCreary in the second round at 34, I believe. Um, Yeah, so they, they, they have big question marks in the secondary. They're banking a lot on a guy that just has never stayed healthy. Well, they're hoping that the, the games are going to be won and lost in the trenches. That's kind of been their business model for the last few and years. And I love it. And it's and hard to it. argue, you know. And I love it. Landry and Simmons and Autry. Autry, one of the most underrated guys in football, yeah. I think. For years already. Mm-hmm. For years. It feels like he's been in the AFC South forever. Landry, that, I know we spoke about it, but that Landry re-signing. So big. Probably one of my favorite in so moves big. of the entire and You know, that's what it is when you're paying Ryan Tannehill. You don't get to bring back Landry and A.J. Brown. It's funny. you got to make these business decisions. It's It's... Easier for us behind the mic to criticize, but yeah, no, I hear you. You got it. You got to pick one, and it's it oh, feels who like you they picked. I would have picked Landry to be honest. I'm, I'm curious to see how their offense looks now without Brown. If if their offense completely falls off, then who cares? That yeah, but that's Landry? why I'm They're asking you before good, this season. It's a good. It's a good question. Um, in most cases, I would take the defender, but I may lean Brown here because you still like you still have you still have guys. It's not like you, you completely 
You still have guys. So my you biggest argument. Dupree, whatever, yeah, you do have. Saying, um, you have you Dupree's have, really a shot in the dark. Yeah, but you, you, you're going to have Simmons. Um, you have Rabel coaching the defense, which he always does phenomenally. I, I hear it. The, the, the Landry is the, is the more premium position. My biggest thing why I would pick Landry over A.J. Brown is we're coming off a season where Derrick Henry and A.J. Brown both missed significant chunks still, of time, and they still, still manufactured enough production from the skill player, it's guys. It's phenomenal. It's, exactly. It's you bank on that infrastructure. My question to you is this, and I know it was a very hot topic, and I'm very strongly opinionated one way, so I'm going to ask you first. That whole thing with Tannehill and, and Malik Willis, where he said he didn't want to mentor him. What's your thoughts on that? I think it's completely overblown. I'm sure Ryan Tannehill and Malik Willis have plenty of conversations that we are not privy to. I find it hard to believe Ryan Tannehill is showing up to OTAs, flipping him the bird. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go a step further. I'm gonna say even if he is, you think that's good give, for him? Not good for him. I think that we get we 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 expect guys because they make a lot of money. We expect these players to come in. And have to mentor guys that were essentially taken to replace them. Let's say now you're working, you're working, what do you do? Real estate, you're working behind the desk. Let's say I tell you, we want to replace you. I'm going to bring your replacement. He's going to sit here while- Your contract's up in a year. (laughs) While you you go to pot, I'm going to leave this kid here. You're going to teach him everything you know. They also, they want you to mentor these guys where they could- they, they could run the team for 20 years, which basically cost you money. And we just expect that these players should just do it. I like that he said he didn't want to mentor him. And I like that. I'll tell you this much. I if like I'm the doing... O-lineman going to war for Ryan Tannehill every day, and I'm the receivers going to war for Ryan Tannehill every day, I'm pretty happy that he's not like, oh, yeah, I can't wait to teach this kid everything I know. No, fuck that. I'm ready to win. Let's yes. go win a Super yes. Bowl tomorrow. I don't want this guy coming in and completely taking my job. And you know what's funny? If Willis... As a good preseason, it's good. It looks good in camp, and Tannehill sort of flounders like he did in in the playoff game. They may say, "All right, we've had issues paying, keeping our own guys because we we have so much money tied up in the Tannehill. They can get out of the contract after the year, I believe." And I don't, I'm not saying Willis is is automatically the next guy, but I'm, my point is that there'll be questions leading up to March next year where should we bring back Tannehill or not, and for him to then have to go and and Mentor, truth is, what he should have said to the media and what he should have done is different. If he didn't want to mentor him, he should have just said, yeah, I can't wait, just so not to get the backlash. But I like that these guys want to fight for their jobs. I completely agree. I think we're, we're like, not weird because me and you are in lockstep about this, but in general, just like all the talking heads online are just making a complete non, a, a complete issue out of a non-issue. Yeah. It's well, a we get bored, but Yeah, we get bored. Still, at the end of the yeah, day, talk about football in May. Yeah, at the end of the day, think of these people that are that are screaming and crying. I want them to think about what it would be like if somebody came, sat over their shoulder at their desk job that they have, and management told them, "This guy is coming. We want him to be the next up and coming. We're taking a shot in the dark. We don't know him. We know that we pay you 150 grand, and we want to pay him 75." We want to see if, if if he could replace you. Could you teach him everything you know? Could you show him the ins and outs? Could you introduce him to your, your buyers? Could you introduce him to take him on your meetings? Look at the manager and say, just get rid of me now. I don't want to I don't want to do this. Absolutely. Liken that now to the to the football field where the the money is a lot higher. If they get rid of Tannehill, he he definitely would will not resign with anyone for that type of money. He's not he's not worth what he's getting paid. So I don't know. 
I think I think that got yeah, completely we're, overblown. We're in lockstep about this. It's a non-story, and it's a product of us having to talk about football right. twelve months a year, right? When the season only goes so from it's funny, September to February. I, I know, I know. We continue to beat the drum that running backs aren't so important, but the same way that we spoke about uh, Matt Ryan and Indy, I'm going to say Henry. Could Henry? You know, is he going to miss? His, is he going to lose a step? Is he getting older? I think it's funny because it's sort of throwback football in Tennessee where. If the running back isn't productive, their whole team is won't be good. So it's, it feels like we're thirty years ago, but that's the reality. So Henry's but will be. They the went like, one. they went like five and two without Henry last year. We both, I feel like we both agree that it was a little fluky that their team felt they did have good wins too at the Rams on Sunday night. Felt like a good one. I I look I look a little bit at that New England game where they just got shambled when it started snowing. Mac Jones looked like Marino. I look at that as more like the true of you know where they are with their right. roster. Well, that that's the nature of the business. When you are grinding out wins, you have no business getting. You will get put in your place yeah. from time to time. Yeah, yeah. So feels like that they feel like that they overachieved, which is great. Kudos to the GM. Kudos to the coach. Um, does that happen? Also, feels like the AFC got a lot better. Yes, LA got better. Um, you still have the heavy hitters. Buffalo's just going to be that much better if they Denver stay Denver exists now. Denver exists. Oakland, uh, Vegas has all these new pieces. Uh, you know, Cleveland at some point. Like, we've, I don't think we've, it's going to happen this year with Cleveland. But, right, yeah. but Cleveland, the point is is that... The AFC's a tough conference. It's, yeah, it's tough. Again, one, either Indy or Tennessee will be able to get a home playoff game because they are going to win a division. So pencil them in as a four seed. But at the end of the day... To be the one seed and get wins that they got last year is going to be hard to replicate, especially because it feels like that they got worse. You know, unless it unless this guy Farley like comes in, worse. and if Farley's a shutdown number one corner, he makes a lot of their problems disappear. Or even even McCreary. Yeah, Farley and McCreary, they're they, they're basically two rookies. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. If one of them, if one of them could produce, well, they sort of need both to produce. But that those are my biggest question marks. Henry and. Another year, another workload, another, you know. And then defensively, could they be as good as they were last year, despite well, the question? Secondary. Like Janoris Jenkins, He's we all know no, nothing to write home about, but he was in that secondary and they, they played good enough to win. He did his job. Games. Right. So we'll see. I, I I think the two the two favorites in the AFC South both have big, big question marks. Big. I think Indies Indies feel less Severe, but at the same time, feel more important. It's 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 interest. It's interesting. I'm curious to know where. So you what go. you mean to tell me is that for what feels like the 30th year in a row, the AFC South is one of the worst divisions in football. The, it has to be dead. It's got to be the worst. Really? It's got it's got to be the worst. Worst than the NFC East? I was gonna say because at least in the NFC East, there's, there's, it's a four to one. Feels fight. like feels like this. Ta- also, it feels like that they Dallas has tons of talent. They got worse, but they got a ton of talent. Philly has talent. Philly, Philly also. They I don't know about their quarterback, but their team is good enough to win games. So they're both not the best divisions in in, in the league. But I think you'd get like I'd rather Dallas's team than than Tennessee or Indy for a different well, conversation. But if yeah. Mike Vrabel's coaching Dallas, we could be talking about the, the next iteration about of the Patriots. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. I'm I'm yeah. gonna go ahead and say it's the worst division. Uh, the NFC, the, the it's NFC hard to East argue. is also bad. It's hard to argue. Know, NFC East is bad. Bad. But we'll get to them. For yeah. now, we're on the AFC South. Um, it seems like we both agree on four and three. How could you not? And with two and one, I think that's really 
the toughest call to make. You know what's funny? We're sitting here. I still don't know which way I'm going to go. I have no idea which <laughs> way I'm going to go either. I'll my, tell you my, this. my gut tells me that it's going to be Tennessee and India at top. Yeah. I think India's going to finish number one. So it's funny. I, I did say this about Kansas City when we spoke about the West. I said until until the second team could overthrow the first team and, and win the division, I like to stay with pick the guys. Repeating that I champ. However, it's funny. Similar. They both lost their best receiver. Kansas City and Tennessee. It's funny because since then I was thinking maybe maybe we should have went Chargers. But I don't know. I don't know. You're going to lean Indy? You're going to go Indy 1? I'm leaning Indy. I'm leaning Indy. Sign me up. You're going to go Indy. I feel like Mike Brable is going to come to me in my sleep and like chop <laughs> off one of my nuts for betting against him, but I'm still going I want Tennessee it. to win a Super Bowl just so uh, we, could, we could just get content for the year. He said he'd remove his penis if they, if they won a Super Bowl. He'd do it. There's uh, not a doubt in it. my mind. I would do anything. And I, I don't love hiring defensive coaches. I would do anything to have Mike Vrabel coach my 53-man roster every Sunday. Agree. What what a character. And, and you know what's funny? Usually guys that are characters like this, they aren't the best coaches. He is a fantastic. And, he's, like and the the anti, he's like the anti-Rex Ryan. Yeah, and the players love him. He's, he's like Rex, but he's actually good. And he's like not annoyingly boisterous at times. You know, I loved it at the time, but it ended up biting them in the back when they just didn't. They just weren't good enough. Um, I love Vrabel. Um, even though I could barely pronounce his name right. But I I don't know. I kind of want to go Indy too, but I also want to disagree with you a little. I guess I'll go Indy. It's tough when we agree on everything. I know. It's tough. I guess, I guess I'll Hopefully go. when the I NFC guess. comes. Yeah. Well, we'll yeah, NFC will will spark. Because I'm, I'm, I'm higher on, on a lot of teams in the NFC than, than the general population is. I, I like NFC football. It's usually tough. It's usually... It's cold. It's cold. For some it's reason, tough. even though they both have north, south, east, east, and west, it just feels like he's like, colder feels for grittier. some reason. Yeah. Those games at Fox 425 on Oof. Sundays just feel grittier. They feel more like real football. As the south is playing at 1 o'clock and the sun, the AFC, actually. But, yeah, I, I'm i not confidently taking the Colts, though. It's not like the other division. Well, no, where it's I was definitely kind of, not a confident statement. It's just you have to pick one. I'm putting a gun to your head. Right. I don't know. Is Ryan washed? I don't think he's washed. He's not what he was, but I don't think he's washed. There's a solid middle ground. Right. I kind of, a part of me wants to st- stick with the, stick with what happened though. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm indifferent right now. I guess I'll lean Indy, but I'm not, I'm not saying it with, but you conviction. don't feel too good about yeah, it. I'm not saying it with conviction. I, I really, I think, I think Ryan's question marks really deserve more people raising their eyebrows on it. Right. Move to do. Yes. Um, Will it pay the dividends? That's a different question. I also, I also, I didn't mind Baker for them, but I think after Wentz experiment, they wanted to go with a safer, yeah, cleaner, you can't go from uh, Wentz you know? to Baker. Yeah, that's so. like going from Cully to Lovey. Right, right. Cully to Lovey, really. and only the Texans do that. If Lovey didn't punt on that that fourth down, <sighs> but he did. But he, he did. did, and he now did. he's uh, he's unemployed, to my knowledge, at least. I think he has one of those. What does he have? He has one of those jobs, carrying water bottles to and from the locker room. Oh, man. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's, that, that, it's the sport we live in. It's a, coaching's the whole, the whole game is coaching. So if, if you, if you don't feel you're not job. so confident about your coach, toss him and try to shoot for the moon. Lovey, Lovey Smith is more, of a, is more of a shoot for the center of the earth than the yeah. moon. Yeah. But in general, I must agree with you. But with that being said... I think that wraps up our AFC yeah. South discussion. I yeah. think we've said all there is to say. Yeah. Um, interesting division. Interesting division. 
Interesting division. We could probably keep talking about it going back in circles in the next two hours, but we will spare the listeners. Thank you so much for bearing with us. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Unnamed Sports Podcast presented by Rip Media. And until next time, thank you for listening.